It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's Deli Alley. Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Lucas Moura with the last kick of the game! The Ajax players collapsed to the ground! Tottenham Hotspur are heading to the Champions League final with a goal that we just couldn't believe. <laughs> Jermaine Genus is speechless. Absolutely speechless. And so is everyone inside this stadium. I can't believe it, Flick. The full-time whistle. It's glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. In the most amazing Champions League semi-final that most of us have ever seen. Even Harry's ankles looking all right all of a sudden. History made in Amsterdam by Mauricio Pochettino and his players. It's the greatest night in Europe for 35 years since the days of Huddle and Ardiles, and maybe the best of all time. It's what Champions League dreams are made of. It's a night these players and supporters will never forget. Tottenham Hotspur have come to the Netherlands and reached the promised land. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We're back for our second show of the week. We are hoping you're keeping well. We hope you are keeping safe. And thank you again for downloading us at this very, very difficult time. Unprecedented times here on The Last Word on Spurs and in general life. So again, hope you're all keeping well. I've got the panel back with me for a show which, to be fair, over the last 24, 48 hours, Spurs Twitter has gone off the boil. It's gone absolutely crazy. So we're back to review just what's happened in this last 24, 48 hours with Spurs, Mourinho, Pochettino, all the latest transfer links around the club. We are here to give you your fix of all things Tottenham and some light relief and escapism. So please have back on this show. Jason McGovern's back with me. Jase, how are you? Absolutely fine, mate. I, I can't believe we're in a Champions League final. I just can't <laughs> believe it. It's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, that moment last night when Lucas scored, I, oh, on the floor, mate. Well, what what I can't wait now. Shame we're going to wait three weeks for the final or four weeks or whatever it is, but I can't wait, mate. Yeah. Very, very exciting times ahead, of course. Very exciting times ahead. And also, 
back on this show. It's the brilliant Lee McQueen back. Lee, how are you? Yeah, really well. And just again, just uh, echoing uh, Jason. I mean, I'm sure my, my voice from from screaming so loud yesterday was uh, back to normal. And uh, the, the big question, I suppose, that we're getting to in the pod is, is will Kane start? In well, the that, final. That's it. Let's, let's see what happens. Will Kane start? I mean, that's the question. Will he be fit enough? Can you drop Lucas Moura after scoring a hat-trick in a semi-final? Can you really do that to the man? Also, please have back on this show. Jamie Brown's back from the Daily Hotspur. Jay, how are you? Yeah, very good. I hope all the listeners are doing well. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously last night, reliving that, those moments were very special. And you kind of just realise how special um, those memories were in Amsterdam. Um, it was yeah, brilliant to relive it. And uh, I'm sure we'll... We'll try to relive it again on the show. Yes, a lot to discuss on this show. Not just, of course, Champions League semi-final, which BT Sport put out. But, of course, there's been lots of transfer talk over this past week. We've seen an interview with Jose Mourinho where he, for him, says that he believes that he will collect his fourth title at Tottenham Hotspur. Yes, you heard it. Jose Mourinho believes he will win the title with Spurs. Lots to come. We've got some also fun things at the end of the show to kind of keep your brains ticking. But... We are going to have to start with the interview that broke on BT Sport and that was where Maurizio Pochettino, although saying he's motivated for his next job, wants to return to Spurs to finish the job he had started. Hear this interview. Thank you very much for your uh, invitation. I really feel uh, shaking, still shaking after to watch uh, for first time after one year the, the game. But uh, in this tough moment, I want to show my deepest uh, sense and respect to the, all the key workers in the NHS that um, um, try to protect us, to save us, to keep alive. And I think they need our recognition and, and our, uh, always we are going to be grateful with, with them. Of course, I want to, to send uh, all my, my deepest uh, respect uh, to them. Uh, and of course, uh, I was uh, saying, uh, watching now my, my speech after the game that they said my, my players were heroes, uh, but now uh, the real heroes appear in this in this tough moment not only in England if not around, around the world and want to to show my my complete respect to them and they are the real heroes fighting uh, uh, with this uh, tragic uh, uh, virus and pandemic virus and of course um, always we are going to be to be grateful of course in this tough moment uh, today is a, is a very good uh, thing to destroy our, uh, our, our, the football people that love football and, of course, our, our fans, our Tottenham fans that, uh, that they, I think, um, I think they are grateful to, to watch uh, and to, to see again uh, this game because it was real was the real emotion was uh, showing all our, um, all the passion that these great clubs uh, are and of course uh, I, I feel so proud um, to spend the, the time that I spend in the club uh, with all the people with all with all the the, the the staff with of course with the board with the owners with the with the 
player that uh, helps the club to to be in the in the level that I think for the fan bases that we have deserved to be, uh, and and now be a club uh, that uh, around the world everyone recognizes that Tottenham is one of the biggest clubs on the on the world. Um, but of course, this this type of night uh, helps to love the the game, help to to feel the passion, to feel the emotion, and I think it was the pure emotion every single moment that we live there. You're not wearing the same shirt that you wore on the night of that game, are you? Because it does look identical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that is the, the yes. shirt that uh, I use in the in the semi-final. And yes, and I still regret don't put in the final because I, I put I, I dress all new new one, <laughs> and and now I said I'm going to to have the opportunity to to dress in the same way that how finished the the game in the semi final, and then uh, I have two or three options. If Tottenham won, I will send to the museum. If if you want, I can donate the share, uh, you know, to to help and to do something for some fans, you know, and, and help some charities or the NHS because uh, always in things that we can help should be fantastic. If not, to be again in the place that was, in a very important place in my wardrobe and keep uh, forever the share in in my house next to to myself we always um, allow them to to calm down and and uh, five minutes where we are in our changing uh, dressing room trying to analyze and to discuss about if we are going to show uh, some clips to try to improve to try to fix a tactical situation and in, that is the moment for them to calm, you know, and to stay with the physio, with the doctor, and try to, you know, to see what is going on, and for them to talk a little bit. And then I arrive in seven, in between five and seven minutes, I need to talk, I need to, to give the message, I need to change or to fix problems, and to show why we need to change or what we are going to do on the, sec on the second time. I remember that I told, I, and I was so relaxed because I said, oh, we are playing well. Of course, in, do, in two actions that we concede a goal, we need to do better. But of course, you can concede. But in the same, in the same way, we, in this moment, if Sonny, when hit the post or different action that we, we can score, was the same situation that uh, they concede chances in the same way that the, the problem that they score and we didn't score. And I said... Please, don't give up, believe, because we are on the race. And be calm, be relaxed. We cannot do crazy things. We need to keep the balance, because the most important, I think, is to keep the balance in this type of game. Because in the moment that you give up and you want to go forward and then you don't want to do your duty and defend and, and be strong, it's in the moment that you lose the, the game. And, and of course, and after always, we gave a uh, few minutes, one minute to, to finish. You know, uh, Sherman, you, you know that always you need one minute to 
go to the toilet, to come, to take different things, you know, your habits always are different. And, and we, we back to, and in this moment, of course, arrive a, a hurricane. And, and of course, hurricane, we know very well that is a, is a great leader with great character, like uh, Hugo Lloris. And of course, they were the, the boys uh, to telling the, the people, come on, we need to believe and never give up, and we need to fight to the end because that is possible, and we have a big opportunity. It was an amazing journey that finished in, in the way that, uh, of course, no one want to, want to finish. But deeper in my, in my chest, in my soil, in my heart, uh, I am sure that uh, our way will, will cross again. And, and for sure, uh, from now, from the day that uh, I left the club, my dream is, uh, is again one day to, to be back and to try to finish the work that uh, we didn't finish. Because I think it was an amazing journey. I think... Um, we were so close to, to winning the, 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 right, the right trophies, Premier League or Champions League. We were very close. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, we stopped uh, this, this way now. Um, of course, I am looking forward to, to move on and, and try. I am so motivated to, for the next, uh, for the next uh, um, project. But of course, uh, deep inside, uh, I would like one day to, to be back and because I think this club is special. Uh, the fans are so special, maybe in five years, maybe in 10 years. But uh, and now I'm going to conspire with the universe and to through the idea that I, I uh, yeah. before I will die, I want to manage again uh, Tottenham and try if it's possible to win one title, because I want to feel to what means to win one title with, with Tottenham, because the fans are amazing. All the love that we received was, was amazing, and that is a good opportunity to send and to pay back all, all the love that they show us from the day one. Silly, we've just heard there Maurizio Pochettino Oof. a year on, discussing his love for Spurs, his desire to come back. Instant reaction to that interview, Lee, from you. Well, it was uh, it was it was it was mind blowing, me, wasn't it? To be fair, I mean, after watching the game um, uh, back and, and reliving all them emotions and then seeing him on the pitch and seeing him, I think I put a tweet out saying that I, I, I think I forgot a little bit how much I loved the guy, and then for, to hear him say such well wonderful things about our football club and the fact that you know that he wants to come back and he he, he owes the fans stuff and you know it just felt like he was talking to to us he, the man look the whole measure of the man when he first started his interview he, he didn't talk about himself first he talked about what a wonderful job the NHS are doing and just you know everything about the guy embodied what what was what was our football club uh, over the last five and a bit years with with him at the helm and and it brought back um, some you know some really fond memories of it, uh, of him and uh, yeah I've got to say I love the fella um, you know I think that uh, I I probably shouldn't say this on the pod but you know I'll be true to what I have said on the WhatsApp groups and stuff I, I'd have gone to League Two with a fella um, and sometimes football uh, isn't just about we might have been ending the, there Lee. I'm yeah, I know. I know. I'm only but I know. Look, I just, I just, I just think that so, sometimes, sometimes, look, you don't. It's difficult for me to in context because I'll get pelters on Twitter, and that's fine. I, I don't mind. But the reality of the situation is, 
you know, some, sometimes you you find something or someone or something about you know you know whether it's in life or in football or in business or whatever it is that that you just have to keep and you know you know that that was that that bond that we had with the manager is 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 still there so it was a wonderful interview i mean to for him to come out and say that he wants to come back and finish the job and you know and, and still loves the club and and we just said off air didn't we about them kind of panning the camera around I mean, the fella wore the same shirt that he wore in the uh, against Ajax in the semi-final. I mean, that's how much he put. He actually consciously put that on for that interview to kind of relive the moment. I mean, the guy's Tottenham Hotspur, isn't he? Let's be honest. The relationship that Pochettino and the fans had is almost indescribable. He was so much more than just a manager to us. He embodied everything that was so good about the club. But Jace, to come around for you. Yes, the parting of ways still hurt, but it's like a relationship breakup that I felt needed to happen to save ourselves and probably Pochettino too. If you do remember those last nine months, our form in general, and some of the players, I think it's obvious that they gave up on Poch towards the end of his reign. First of all, I mean, I loved loved the Pochettino time, uh, and and everyone knows I absolutely despise the person that that sits in the seat now. But I think the sad thing was that unless you could have changed 15 or 16 players, however high that he'd taken us to, I think the players that were there saw that night and the belief and everything that he could take further drained out of them that night. And, you know, if you look back, there's lots of fans saying, oh, what a wonderful job he did. But there was lots of fans slating him for leaving Jan Vertonghen out the first game of the season. And now, now look who was proved right. So, you know, if, if he, he wasn't able to rebuild that side, and when I mean rebuild it, I mean 15, 16 new faces, that probably his time of taking us to that level had, had sadly gone again. And you have to look look at Brighton, uh, the, the game at Everton, the home game where, I mean, we were talking, weren't we, a couple of weeks ago to Dean Austin, who was on the Watford bench for that the game. And we had a team that hadn't won a game at that stage this season coming to White Hart Lane out playing us. And, and then came the Sheffield United game and the lack of intensity. And you thought, you know, when, when Potts was talking about the, the character and the mentality and the belief in the players during that half-time team talk in Holland, all of that had completely gone. It had disappeared. And nothing that he could do was going to bring that back to that set of players unless the whole players were different. So, you know, I, I, I have nothing but huge, huge respect and admiration and love for everything that he did for the football club. But when we made the decision, I didn't want us to sack him because I didn't want us to have to sack him, if you see what I mean. But the decision was the right thing to do for me at the time because I just couldn't see... I, d I don't think we'd be in a better position now had he stayed in charge than, than we're in at the moment with Mourinho anyway. The style of football and things might be different, but I think a lot of the belief in that group of players rained out that night. And, and that's the belief that him and his coaching staff are never going to give back to that group of players. Like you said there, I think it's a case that we have to remember with these particular group of players, would Alderweireld have signed a new contract? You know, I think that's one of those things that you'd argue now, maybe you wouldn't have wanted Alderweireld to sign a new contract with the way his form's going. But I think with players like Deli Alley and Harry Kane that want to win trophies, were they maybe questioning if they could win them under Maurizio Pochettino? Was a fabulous man and... Jay, to bring it round to you, you know, Poch has always been a very skilled communicator. He went into every presser 
an interview with a real clear, distinctive message of what he was trying to deliver. And that's no doubt, again, what he was saying. It's evidently clear that him and the club did need a break. It does feel, though, Jay, he realised what he is missing now. It's gone. And we have to remember, he's still getting paid out by Spurs. I mean, what was your reaction to that interview he gave to BT Sport? One thing I don't think I miss about Pochettino is some of the quotes that he produced in his uh, in his press conferences. He was very difficult to understand the message that he was sometimes getting across. He used some very strange analogies sometimes. But no, look, obviously, I totally, totally loved him whilst he was at the club. And for me, you know, I know that were just quotes, but they've really given me a massive lift. Um, for me, it was absolutely devastating to not see him lift the trophy at Spurs. I really thought he was kind of destined to do that. For me, it really does feel like the biggest lift supporting Spurs since that Ajax game. Um, just to know that he he still, you know, wants to try and finish the business that he started at Spurs. Um, and, you know, I always believed he was someone that wanted to do something special. I think that, you know, if you went to a Barcelona or Real Madrid, you would lift a trophy and it's nothing, nothing different. But at Spurs... If you lift a trophy, it's obviously a very special thing. And I think Pochettino kind of recognised that. And that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do something special. And, you know, he's obviously developed a fantastic connection with the club now. Fantastic uh, connection with the supporters. And he wants to do something special for us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's brilliant to hear that he wants to come back. I'm sure lots of Spurs fans want him to come back. At the time when he was sacked, I feel as though it, it did feel like it was the right decision um, I feel as though this kind of the rebuild that we've always spoken about and that lots of people have spoken about, it wasn't a thing that was going to happen just this summer. It was something that needed to happen two or three years ago. You look at how much work there is to do on that squad and, you know, that's what I mean. It, you know, it had to start a while ago. It wasn't something where you were going to be able to bring in four or five top class players in the positions that we needed. Um, and, you know, that's, that's for different reasons. Pochettino, that was partly his fault in not being able to recognise players that maybe he needed to move on to refresh the squad, to be able to bring in new players. That's something that people have mentioned before, something that Sir Alex Ferguson was very good at. You know, lots of people saw him sell top players, but he sold them the right time and then was able to go and reinvest. If you look at the way Pochettino did it, I think he was very sentimental with a lot of players. And in the end, I think that ended up costing him a bit. Um, you know, I think Ericsson was probably a very good example you know, a player that kind of that really hit his peak and we had a chance to sell and obviously his contract situation was coming to a head. And that's maybe a player that we should have looked to have moved on and got a big fee for him and, and gone and refreshed the squad. And for me, that's something that did let Pochettino down. I, so in the end, I kind of agreed with this sacking. I was absolutely gutted because, you know, I, I absolutely loved the man. Um, as I said off air, you know, he totally embodied Tottenham everything he did he was so respectful he embraced the culture of the club he embraced the history of the club of course you know really attractive football so I was gutted to see him go but in the end for me unfortunately it wasn't the right decision but you know it'd be brilliant brilliant to see him come back one day as a, a better rounded manager it's the first time I've probably watched that game back in its it wasn't its entirety was it but with with a long, long highlight section, other than just watching the goals. And, you know, Rick, I've discussed it with you many, many times. For me, everyone talks about tactics, 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 a game. And I always say tactics determine the pattern, but they don't determine the result. And I've always said to you, haven't I, what determines the result is players doing the job they're given, and then you take your chances. And if you actually looked back, we had as many chances as they did in that first half, yet they go in 2-0 up and, and we're saying we're, a, we're in a mess. Well, actually, I'd, I'd forgot Sonny hit the post, the, the Deli Alley shot wide. I'd forgot Lucas Moore and Eriksson hitting it straight at a the keeper. They had two good chances, took them. And then in the second half, 
we took our chances. Anana makes a, a sloppy mistake for the second goal. And yet they didn't take theirs, did they? They hit the post. They, they shot wide. Hugo makes two or three saves. And, and you see, no matter what your tactics do, you break your chances and don't make stupid mistakes. And all the time... You he yelled at the bar as well, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yelled at the, the bar. I mean, I forgot that. I thought, when he hit the bar, I was thinking, oh, that's, this is, I was thinking, what? I, again, I, I didn't remember them sorts of things. I think you're spot on. There's a lot of that stuff when you, re, when you watch it back. You just think, wow, like, you know, that I, I forgot that that had happened. And I thought we were excellent. I thought Deli Ali was absolutely excellent in that game, uh, for example. We, we, like you say, there was, there was some excellent moments in that game, individually and collectively. He did make a point. The, the first point of Pochettino's interview that you've heard back it was he was thanking the NHS for, you know, speaking about Spurs also being one of the greatest clubs in the world. And on three separate occasions, he said he wanted to come back before panning his camera to show two frame photos of him in a Tottenham track shoot. I mean, that is as direct as it gets, isn't it? I mean, it does feel like they're still unfinished business, but I mean, I think I'll make it clear. From my perspective, I want to see the man go and win a couple of trophies, go and win a couple of titles, and then come back to Spurs, like Jamie said, an all-round better manager, because there is still a job for him to finish at Tottenham. Yeah, for sure. I, again, I, I, I echo what you guys have said. You know, I'm, I don't want Jose Mourinho to get fired tomorrow. I don't want Jose Mourinho to leave. I think Jose Mourinho will win us a title. I, I do. What, what, what level that title will be, only time will tell. But but I do think that he will win us. Uh, the, what we're all craving is that, that, that nice piece of silverware. Hopefully the, the silverware got a little ground, uh, a gold crown on top of it and also some massive ears. Um, that would be fantastic. But we don't know what, what, what type of trophy it would be. And I do agree that, you know, when, when you look at Pochettino's managerial career, he was virtually he was virtually an unknown to, to these shores when he came into Southampton. Done a wonderful job with Southampton, as we all know. Uh, you know, the amount of England internationals that he produced during that period of time was was mad. Um, you know, and, 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 and very fortunate, obviously, a feeder club for Liverpool. Um, uh, during during that period, and and then obviously come to Tottenham and had you know some some wonderful years. I mean, I think that pe- you can look at it on the positive or you look at it on the negative. People say you didn't get us out of a semi final until that that Champions League final or the or the League Cup final, which which you kind of took over halfway through that season. Um, other than that, you know, failed semi-finals, you know, failed always the um, the bridesmaid, never the bride type situation. But but actually. How consistent did did we make it? And actually, hearing him talk yesterday as well, he talked about that belief, and we, we talked about the mentality. I, I tweeted it about it last last time about the players and the manager celebrating that victory in, in Ajax. You know, um, is is one of the reasons. I actually put the reason, but I should have put one of the reasons why we lost the final because because actually we we all thought we'd done it. You know, collectively we we. we We'd set out to win the competition, but actually to get to the final, almost felt it was good enough. And that sounds might sound a bit harsh, and that's the bit that he he maybe needs to learn as a manager and 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 and, and so on and so forth. So I do agree with you. Go, going away, winning some titles with, um, hopefully not Newcastle, clearly, but winning some titles somewhere else, getting that getting that kind of a little bit more experience and then coming back, be be fantastic in the future. But make no bones about it, we've got Jose Mourinho at the helm. And, uh, you know, it might be a very different story now, but this guy's a winner. Um, and, and, and I'm absolutely convinced he's going to win us something. We speak about Pochettino there and, and Newcastle. You know, at the moment, he looks like he's still going to be the prospective new owner's number one choice to be the next manager at St. James's Park. And they are willing to pay him, apparently, a £19 million a year to take charge of that club. And that's obviously 
if that takeover does go through in Newcastle. But, I mean, the irony is on the back of that interview with Pochettino, would any club really want to be going for him when you can clearly still have an affinity to Tottenham? That, that's what's obviously very clear that's from true. that interview. Uh, I do agree with that. But just come back to, to what the lad said as well before, you know, Potticino in the last, you know, all them results, the Bayern, the Brighton, all the results that Jace just rolled off, you know, and, and towards the end of his tenure, you know, it, it was shocking. You know, there was, there was definitely something from the Burnley game when we, we uh, Kane scored, went 1-0 up, we lost 2-1 and he, he had a row with Mike Dean, didn't he? It? it was that period. I think we was five points behind the, the leaders at the time. It was a, almost a free horse race, even though that, that was an interesting stat. I don't think Tottenham have been top of the league for more than a week or even a weekend in the whole time that we've been in the title races, the, you know, 15-16 or the 17-18 season. I don't even think we're top, which is quite mad uh, to even think that, but we was in the title races. Anyway, the point I was making is that, um, you know, for, for um, Pochettino, for all of his kind of, yeah, it was his time to go, he did, he did say with that famous interview with Gary Lineker, yeah, we, we need to put different furniture in. You know, he has come out and said all these riddles that Jamie mentioned that he did in his press conferences. Clearly now, when you put all the pieces together, that must have been some sort of, you know, the messages and all that sort of stuff to the board. And, you know, you, you've got to take some responsibility, the, the board of Tottenham Hotspur, to say, well, actually, if we had have backed him... The thing I'd say that, Lee, is that... I think he had to be more clever. I think that he knew when he took the job, he would have known. He would have been told by the club, look, we're going to build this stadium and you're not really going to get a huge amount of funds until we've moved into that new stadium. We start generating larger revenue. And for me, I think he just had to be, he had to work with that and he had to be slightly more smarter in the way that he operated in terms of transfers. I think that he became slightly too attached to too many players and was... Yeah, I don't to, disagree to with that. I think, that's a, and, I think that was kind of a sentiment thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, use, you know, and kind of use that money because I think really we know it. the players just really became quite stale. It all went a bit stale. I mean, when they've been there for however long, you know, you look at Vertonghen and Lloris, I mean, they've been there uh, nine, yeah, eight, nine years now. And, and when you've been listening to the same message and you've been in the same environment for that long, then I think it, you know, you lose motivation, and I think a lot of players, and especially, you know, you hear about the ways that Pochettino play, you know, the high-intensity training sessions that can become very draining. And I think as well, the age of the squad, you know, it's that's, you know, when you when you get to the latter stages of your career, it's it's difficult to keep those demands up. And and for me, you know, that's that's where he maybe needed to refresh his squad. He really needed to take notice of. Of Ricky and uh, Jamie, didn't he? Because we'd have had seven hundred signings then. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I mean, I think I think oh, it is hindsight, isn't it? Just, just quickly on that, Jace, because I think you know, at the end of the day, he he has had a break now. He has a chance to refresh and come back. And you know, he was the old Potocino on that interview. Just come back to that interview. He was the old Potocino. Like when you remember the the, the Potocino before he got sacked. Like Jamie said, the, the riddles in the press conferences, the demeanour, the no intensity, the the kind of the, the feeling that you'd lost addressing them. And that, I suppose that's the balance, isn't it, to be fair? But it was a great interview for I sure. Think, I think you're right. I think it's a case that for him, as we mentioned, the club and him needed a break. And I think he now realised what he's missing now that he's gone. And it's one of those things that in football, listen, strange things have happened. We've had so many ex-players come back. You know, if Berbatov can be carted out to still go and do a Spurs Legends match, then I'm sure Maurizio Pochettino at some point, there's, there's absolutely no doubt he could again manage Tottenham. Now, we want to focus on the current Spurs manager, Jose Mourinho, who has been speaking also to Sky Sports. 
and Jose believes that. Bye, Jace. <laughs> Jason's gone. We want to want to play this in. We want to play this in YouTube because Jose Mourinho believes that he will he will deliver a Premier League title to Tottenham. We try our best. We we don't have um, our families with us, but we we are big friends and uh, friends are family and. Uh, we work a lot and uh, time flies. The IT people organizing everything in the training ground too was hard work by by everybody. The nutritionists going through uh, the sports science people. Even before the lockdown, we sought immediately and uh, um, we were trying to give the players the right conditions for a possible lockdown, equip their houses with equipment where they can they can training. It was hard work by by everybody, and I'm really proud of of the people and and the players working really hard in very strange um, conditions. I read and I listen to so many contradictions that I I run away from make any kind of uh, of these comments. I have no knowledge. I have no power. I just read and try to, to learn and to try to, to understand, but in, in our cases as professionals, and I imagine in the fans' case, I think it's good to have a light, even if it is a light in the end of, of a dark tunnel, to have a light and to imagine and to dream that um, one day we are going to have football and um, one day we are going to have uh, this stadium uh, full again. But if we come back to football to play behind closed doors. I I like to think that in football closed doors is never closed doors. Because closed doors with cameras, it means that millions and millions and millions are watching that game. So if one day we walk into this empty stadium, we'll not be empty. We'll not be empty at all. I think all of you, and even when I connect to different countries, televisions, Lots of things from the past are coming. I'm watching matches that I never did in my life. Uh, I never watched it, uh, my Champions League finals. And I had to watch now, so a few years uh, after, also some Premier League matches. These things are coming. Anniversaries, uh, to be honest, I, I don't control. I, I, I lost myself in dates, I had no idea. How many years ago I had no idea that was tomorrow that uh, Chelsea beat uh, um, Bolton 15 years ago. Um, but okay, I prefer to I prefer to think that I'm going to to have a fourth Premier League a trophy. I have three. I prefer to think that I'm going to have a fourth. Harry Kane is not injured. Musa Sissoko is not injured. Uh, Steven Bergwin is not injured but one thing is not to be injured and another thing is is to be ready uh, to play football and um, and for them is many 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 weeks of injury and when the injury was arriving into an end we stopped training and I don't know they don't know we have to wait for uh, the official and the right permission for the players to train again and to train in, in group to see 
if they can come back to a normal competition um, level. So if we play, if we play this season, the remaining nine nine matches would be good for for every one of us. Would be good for football. Would be good for Premier League. That players of that um, of that quality can can play the remaining match. I miss, but uh, I try not to be selfish. I try to be balanced, uh, less emotional possible, and uh, and human. And uh, I prefer to say that I miss our world, like I think we all do. Football is just part of of my world, but we miss our world. But we have to be patient. This is a, a fight that we all have to uh, to fight. I don't like to speak much about it because. I feel that a few months ago nobody knows what CV19 is and certainly now we have the world full of specialists, full of contradictions. I don't like to go into that game, I just prefer to to wait for better days and uh, I hope everybody's healthy and safe. Jason, I'm going to come round to you for first instant reaction to Jose Mourinho's interview where what I will say with Jose, I think it's a very human interview that for him at the moment, football definitely is taking a back seat. It's about fighting this pandemic. And I think we also have to make the point that, you know, he is the current Spurs manager. And what I can't quite understand at the moment is when you go on the social media that it seems that on the back of last night with the Pochettino interview that you feel some people can't help but having a dig at Mourinho with praises in Poch. I think at the moment, Mourinho, to be fair to him, yes, the football at times hasn't been fluid, attacking, free-flowing. But at the same time, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done for him to be given the time to really take this team forward. If he thinks we'll win the title, he's been working with cucumbers and cabbages and cauliflowers too long this week, that's for sure. But, um, no, despite what we've just said, you know my, my disdain for the man and you know why it's there. I don't want to see him sacked. I want to see us become the club that, that I believe we should be. And I don't mind if Mourinho's a person that takes it there. But I want it to be with that emotional connection that, that we have. That's, that's how I want to, you know, if I'm paying £80 for a ticket, I'm entitled to think I want to see some of that, that excitement, the enjoyment. I want to look forward to going again. And, and that's my, my just problem with him. I, I mean, if you said to me now, do I want Sac Mourinho to bring Pochettino back? No, I don't. I don't want to see Pochettino back for a long time. I want Mourinho to be the manager that I really want us to take the club to be in. And sadly, I can't ever see that happening. I, I know people people said, oh, look at the, 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 the funny clip when he sat back down on the bench and then charged at a line. I don't want to see a Spurs manager do that. That doesn't, for me, say he's got a winning mentality because the man with this winning mentality is the man that picked Michelle Vaughan in goal. So, you know, when, when people criticise the Jim Min Song left back, tactical decision. Michelle Vaughan played in goal against the team bottom of the league at home. So, you know, how much of that was the winning mentality? But I want Mourinho to be the manager that wins us trophies and can do it playing the football that I want to see. And if he can do that, I'm fully behind Mourinho. Many feel the same that they do want to see Mourinho succeed at Spurs. And I think it's a case that, you know, it's again back to old traditional old school values that with Spurs, we're always renowned for playing attacking flair football. And if you haven't got that and you haven't got the results, then combined, that's always going to be a tricky situation. But what Mourinho did 
State coming around to you, Jay, is that Kane, Sissoko and Bergwijn have all recovered from their long-term injuries, but he's uncertain as to how long it will be before they can play football once again because obviously they've been out for so long and haven't really had full training with the group. And even individually, it's been tricky at the moment with this coronavirus. Uh, firstly, I said it myself, you know, the Pochettino, the Pochettino stuff that I just mentioned about the, the squad going stale. I mean, unfortunately, when he arrived at the club, you know, he really inherited the mess from the last manager. So, of course, that was going to be always tricky. I think originally when he came in, you know, he started and he made a really good start. But unfortunately, you know, he, he did pick up a lot of injuries in terms of his players. You know, to be missing, I think it was when Son went out injured, there was a stat that Kane and Son had produced 50% of the goals. And to take that sort of um, number of goals out of your team, any team's going to suffer. And, and that's kind of why we had to adapt the way that we were playing. I, I, look, I totally understand Jason's point of view in terms of the way that he wants Spurs to play. And yes, it was very disappointing to see us play the way we did against Norwich. But look, I, I kind of do understand. And, you know, you just hope that now the, the players are fully fit. You've got the likes of Harry Kane, fully fit, Bergvine, Son. You just hope that he can get the best out of this team. I think he's a manager that's, you know, he's proved himself in the past. Even, you know, even at Manchester United, when he was working with a mess, he did still win trophies. And, and for me, I do believe that he, that he is a manager that wins Spurs trophies as well. To be fair to him, Louis, he's been trying to do some obviously good stuff in the PR department. He's been volunteering to help harvest fresh produce from the club's training ground. He delivers it to the stadium where it's distributed to those in the local community identified as the most in need during this current COVID-19 pandemic. Is it easy for you to kind of separate the two men? Can you do that? I mean, we all now want Mourinho. He's the Tottenham manager. We all want him to succeed, don't we? I think you'd be silly to not want the man to do well at the club. He's the manager. 100%. And again, like, you know, don't, don't, um, you guys and listeners, um, you know, miss, miss, hear what I'm saying. You know, I love Poch 100%. Do I want him back tomorrow? No, I don't. Do I want Jose Mourinho to win us trophies? Exactly the same as what Jason said. Yes, I do. And, and absolutely, the guy's an absolute winner. It's ridiculous. Um, how much, uh, how much, how many trophies this guy's won at the, the highest level? Um, you know, if he can tap back, if he can tap back into that um, within himself, around his new coaching staff and around Tottenham, um, you know, I'm convinced that he won us a title. The fact that he's come out and said that in his interview is is very very encouraging, very encouraging. Because when when you look at, I think I think a lot of managers now and a lot of people as well getting much more involved in kind of psychology and the kind of um, you know the, the the psychology of the game. And, and I think Jose has always been part of that. The mind game that you play, some of the antics that he does, it's all about him. But actually, is there an undertone there to take it away from you know some of his players, for example? You know, in, in his time, his first spell at Chelsea. Uh, where, where we where we managed to stay for four seasons, you know, he he was he didn't he did a lot of kind of digging out of players, but then bringing them back in. I, I referenced it a couple of shows ago about you know the John Terry interview where he said he was petrified of him, but he loved him at the same time. And I think that was the I don't think anybody seems to you know the players or whatever were were petrified of Potch, but they absolutely loved him. And I think that's that um, sentiment pit that Jamie you was talking about. Whereas with Mourinho, you know, he's, he plays hardball to get out what he wants. And 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 to and to try and to create that winning mentality, to create that um, I think I said it before, that kind of resilience, if you like, to to, um, to which is what is required. Sorry, to 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 be a winner and to and to win trophies, and uh, you know maybe. 
maybe he might sell his grandmother do you know what i mean to get what he wants and that's not a uh, that's not a fantastic trait but but actually it gets resolved showing the softer side of him in his interviews as you said with the produce and what he's been doing and stuff so i think there is a balance with joe so i think that you know you talk about goals and you talk about kane and son jamie and being ripped out from 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 underneath feet but but tottenham have scored the fifth highest amount of goals behind the, the top four in, in the premier league as it stands and, and it's it's, it's yeah. bloody horrible by the way uh, listeners because i'm actually looking at the premier league table for the first time in i don't know how long don't do that and it ain't good reading <laughs> No, no, I'm looking at it now, but but what's quite interesting is that you know we, we like I say we, we're still in the top five for the amount of goals scored. Yet we always come back to goal scored, goal scored. The bloody column, the issue is the column of goals against. That's the issue. I mean, we've got you know conceded as many goals as the likes of Burnley, as the likes of Watford, and the likes of. Brighton, for example, and no disrespect to them clubs, but that's been the issue and that's been the problem. And when yeah. you look at when you look at the defence and you look at, you know, would you sell Sanchez? Would you sell old uh, Toby? Would you sell Jan? Would you sell, you know, Eric Dyer now coming back in there? You know, all these things yourself, you know, you've got Foyt in there as well. So you've got, you know, you've got Tangango, who's been absolutely amazing. I've just rolled off loads of centre backs, yet. The problem that has been with us this season, so a bit of Poch and a bit of Jose, is is the defence. So, if it, I'm, again, yeah. that is the bit that he sorts out. That is the bit that traditionally, in his first full season, that is the bit that Jose gets right. And and this break, however horrendous it has been for everybody, and I, I wish everybody's keeping safe as as we all do, but you know, for for for, for his plan, this has been like his pre-season that he was craving beforehand. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. It would not surprise me if we came back and we just, if we ever do play the season again, it wouldn't surprise me if we just yo-yoed up and down and end up finishing seventh, sixth or seventh. But it also wouldn't surprise me if we won all our games. It just wouldn't surprise me because that's, I think there's an expectation there with Jose to go, come on, when are you going to turn on the Jose magic? When I mentioned about 50% of the goals in Harry Kane and Son being ripped out the team, I remember watching the uh, Sunderland Till I Die document, documentary on, on Netflix. And, um, you know, it, they had a, their striker, their star striker, Josh Madger, who scored huge amount of the goals. Um, of course, he ended up leaving the club and, um, and went, uh, I think it was Bordeaux in France. And kind of the, the manager and the players were speaking about the, the psychological impact that had on the team and kind of the belief when they ripped out that many goals in the team. I mean, Lee mentions, you know, that we're still up there in terms of goals scored. But I think in terms of the belief in the players, having Shumin Son and Harry Kane taking up the team, I think that dealt them a huge blow, you know, for, for fans as well. I mean, you know, we, we know what it's like having, you know, being without Harry Kane and Shumin Son. It was, it was, it was really demoralising for us as supporters. And, you know, I think that has an impact on the rest of the team as well, just psychologically. Um, so I mean I think that was a you know really interesting that that documentary on Sunderland and I think it was just a a good example of kind of a similar situation to what we've just suffered in terms of losing so many goals and kind of the impact it has. I remember you know Sunderland were flying up at the top of the table and they looked certain for promotion. Of course they ended up missing out on it and um, and that for me I think is is a great example of uh, you know or just a similar situation to what we had in terms of the blow, you know taking that many goals that the team can have. Totally yeah, it's agree. a great point. Totally agree. Great point. Well, listen, next we are going to be talking about the Premier League. What is going to happen with the Premier League in terms of are we going to have a season? Are we not? So much to talk about and even more coming your way. We're talking kits. We're talking 
positions that we like to maybe see Spurs strengthen no matter what happens with the season, if it's null and void or if it does restart. So do not go anywhere because we are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. Now you won't know this, we just had a break. Uh, it was about a 20 minute break really. We were still discussing off air Pochettino, Mourinho, the Premier League. It just went off. During that break, so I'm sorry, we should have really a behind the scenes footage on this show because some of the content we're missing out on here is absolutely brilliant. But let's get back into it then. So, we're going to discuss what we feel is going to happen with regards to the Premier League season because we've seen other leagues already take some decisive action. But just to firstly bring up the point that, as we understand at the moment, Daniel Levy does not plan to ask the Spurs players to take a wage deferral or pay cut until there is greater clarity as to if the season will resume. At the moment, there is too many unknowns. And Jace, I just want to ask you a question. Has COVID for you changed your perspective on football or has it changed your thoughts and hopes for next season or this season or for individual players or the team in general? I genuinely think, you know, I'm looking forward to to the football, particularly after last night and you see that, that emotional connection. I, I, I want to go back and I want to enjoy going to a game of football again. And certainly that first first few games back, for me, the results, it won't really matter, particularly if we end up playing the rest of this season out. It's about being there with friends. It's about the whole match day experience for me when we go back. And I just think, when I look at Man United's statement today where they say they'll be competitive in the transfer market, but only when we go back to normal football. And that until then, you know, they'll more or less won't, won't be involved in the, in the big spending. And I... And what I think football will look like next season, don't, don't get me wrong, I think most teams will want to, to win their games and do as well as they can. But I think the priority for a lot of clubs next season will be to, to get through it as survival. And I think if, if they think we could spend £60 million on this striker in the hope that we'll get one or two places higher, I think they won't do it. They'll just think we can't afford to do it. And I think the finances of football will get put before that desire and, and I, what I'd, I'd like to see football next year because of that I'd like to see and I, I mean football in general not just Tottenham I think it's a great chance now for, for some clubs to start blooding younger players and I'd, I certainly wouldn't mind Carl Walker-Peters coming back on loan as their backup right back why go and buy two right backs when you can try and give experience to one and finally give him a, a bit of regular game time and I you know, I think that will happen with football. Tanganga will play more. Oliver Skip may well play more. And I think at other grounds, much like you've seen with Chelsea this year, unable to buy players, but they've blooded Abraham. They've blooded Mason Mount. They've got what's the, Billy Gilmore. They've blooded Tamori. And I think more teams will do that. And I think you'll start to see what a lot of us have hoped for across all clubs. Younger players finally starting to get their genuine chances because the club will think we haven't got the 70 million to go and spend anymore. Not not certainly for next season. Maybe the season beyond it, maybe that will get. But I think that's what will change with next season. But I genuinely think teams will look at survival more than saying we must win the Premier League or we must finish in the top four. Mm. I mean, on the seasons in general, we've seen some really big decisive actions taken. The French Prime Minister has announced that big sporting affairs, including the professional football, cannot return in that country until September. And the 2019-20 season in League One and League Two will therefore end immediately. Interestingly, there's been a report out by L'Equipe, but I think it's been announced by quite a number of sources that Paris Saint-Germain will be announced as the league 
one champions with a league current standing set to be ruled as final. And, you know, interesting with that, you know, you look at Germany, the Bundesliga looks set to resume next month behind closed doors. You look at La Liga, their hopes of completing the 2019-2020 season were given a boost when the Spanish Prime Minister announced that professional athletes will be able to return to training on the 4th of May. And you look at the Premier League, and as things stand, the Premier League have informed clubs that they are aiming to officially resume the 1920 season from June the 8th with players to train from mid-May. But, Lee, to bring it round to you, I think a lot of it, for me, is going to be determined by government's decisions going to be on the lockdown next week. Because if you have that announcement that the government are going to, if they are going to, which, again, maybe we'll feel it's wrong or it's right, they're going to ease the lockdown, but social distancing will remain. How can you have football of any kind of calibre, whether it's behind closed doors, whether it's any kind of competitive nature, if mm. players can't tackle, players can't really go near each other, and you've got sweat, you've got spit, you've got you know people breathing over each other. I just don't see how that can happen. Oh, sounds, lovely, sounds lovely. How can that happen if social distancing remains, Lee? It's no, an impossibility. Look, I think I think there's two drivers here, if, if I'm being brutally honest. I think the, the, the first driver is, is health. Um, and of course, you know, everybody, you know, says at the first, you know, the first thought has to be health, but there is the economy, uh, which is the second point. And, you know, if the Premier League drives our economy into a better position by coming back, do are they, they as in the government and the Premier League bodies and, and uh, uh, as long people, higher as long people, whatever the Premier League and the government bodies, are they making a bit of a trade-off for that? I mean, if, if you're just literally talking about health, like the spit and whatever, and social distancing, it's impossible for football to come back on June, June 8th. It's, it's impossible because, you know, what think about, and Jace made this point was last week or the week before when we talked about this, you know, about, you know, being played by his goes doors, and I don't agree with it. But he, he, even then, I think The Guardian or one of you guys put out on, on Twitter about The Guardian posting, this is how many media people that you need at each football match. And this is how many, you know, you've still got a high gathering of people, even if it's played behind closed doors, right? It's not as if you've got 11 players and a couple of managers and a coach, you, you know, like 25 people there. You, you've still got way over 500 people that are going to be, in that stadium or so. And you like, you could argue, okay, the media people can be separated by two metres and this, that and the other, and we're doing it in a supermarket, so why not? So again, logistically, potentially, but like you boys have already said, you can't do that corners on the pitch itself. There's no antibody testing right now. So regardless of if you get go and get tested and say, yeah, I'm okay, I haven't got COVID, uh, um, COVID-19, but you still might get it the next day, which is a, another point that we've already made. So until there's antibody testing, at least, or uh, even better, obviously, a vaccine, I, ju I just can't see how, how we can get back playing that early when there's other major European leagues, like you've just said, are, are cancelling their seasons already. Scotland have done it. Uh, uh, France, uh, Dutch league has gone. The French league has just gone. So I, ju I can't see. When you look at the amount of deaths... Um, in the hospitals, we are now the second highest death rate on the planet. U United Kingdom is right just behind the US. We've now overtaken, if, if you want some morbid stats, people, we've now overtaken France. We've now overtaken Spain. We've now even overtaken Italy. We have second highest death rate in um, uh, from 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 COVID. And when you're looking at that and then you're going, oh, yeah, but, you know, the, it's coming down in the hospitals. Now, obviously, they're launching the big care campaigns that we've been talking about, the amount of people that are losing their lives in care homes and not even included in them figures. 
this is this is where I, I just can't see. I wish, look, you know what I'm like. I like to be optimistic, but obviously we've got to be realistic as well. I just can't see how how the Premier League is going to get back to playing. And, and I think, look, J- Jake made a fantastic point on the BT show yesterday. It's not a handful of games, is it? For Tottenham, it's nine games. But for the entire league and then all the other leagues as well, this is not just a Premier League thing. This is an English football thing. You're talking well over four or 500 games still to play. That is a lot of games, a lot of gathering, a lot of lo- logistics in a time where we've just hit the second highest death rate in the pl- on the planet. I, j- I just can't see how that's going to happen. It just seems irrelevant also to even be considering it when you say then the, the deaths that are still going, it's, everyone is a person, you know, as a family member, it's a life. It just seems inappropriate, to be honest, to be even considering the football at the moment. But, you know, what they're putting together at the moment is, Jay, that players will wear face masks and footballs will be de- disinfected by staff in PPE equipment under strict rules designed by the squads to allow groups to but, resume but sorry, sorry, can I just interrupt? Sorry, Jay. Sorry, Jamie, to, to interrupt on your question. Sorry, Rick. But, I mean, again, you're talking about inappropriate, and, and, I, and I agree with you, but PPE equipment that is that is not even getting to the front line of the NHS and to yeah. the front line of the care yeah. workers, and we're going to be using it for to sterilise Premier League footballs. Uh, I mean, you actually yeah. having a laugh here or what? This is like a fucking wind-up. For me, I think for me, actually, one of the main things is, you know, you've got to consider that these these matches have got to have medical staff there. And can you imagine telling someone that they can't go and, uh, you know, go to the hospital today and go and work with pa- uh, patients that had COVID because they've got to go and man Forest Green versus Groomsby, for example, or Burnley versus Brighton. You know, you've got to have medical staff at the ground. And that, for me, is the biggest issue that you're you know, you're going to be taking away these medical staff who could have been, you know, battling, as, as Lee said, on the front line or whether in the hospitals because they've got to go and man a, a pretty irrelevant football match. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, look, of course, they're going to discuss it. So I, I don't think it's it's particularly disrespectful because, of course, you know, that's their job. Their job is to try and arrange a time for it to come back. I don't think it will come back this season because of, uh, you know, for a number of reasons that we've kind of listed already. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's just... I. I think in terms of the sporting merit as well, there's not really many fair ways of determining that. I think in terms of, you know, whether you've got uh, points per game, of course, it, you know, it works unfairly for other clubs. I mean, in particular Tottenham, because of course Arsenal would end up finishing above us for, based on that. But, you know, if you've played a game less, of course, Sheffield United um, and, and the likes have, have played less games if you just go on the current standing. So for me, I cannot see the season finishing um, I can't see it being played out. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously there's still going to be a lot of controversy in terms of the way um, the final standings and European spots are, are determined. And, and actually, as well, the other point as well is, you know, with, with the uh, Tottenham Oxford Stadium, I mean, that's that's currently being used, um, you know, for, for, for NHS staff at the moment. So what we're going to do, we're going to end up kicking them out. Uh, I don't know. It's just for me, that sounds absolutely crazy. And uh for the, for the for number of the reasons that we said, I just cannot see it continuing. I mean, Jace, apparently a seven-page document drawn up by the Premier League Director of Football, Richard Garlick, has laid out protocols that would be need to follow if training grounds ahead of football plan to restart. Those plans will be discussed at a meeting of clubs on Friday. And they will also require players and staff to pass a COVID-19 antigen test in the 48 hours before returning to group training. But if I can just read out, Jace, before I bring you in... 
some of the rules they're going to include here. You know, they're saying all footballs, GPS units, cones, corner flags, goalposts and other equipment to be disinfected before and after use by staff wearing PPE. Players encouraged to wear a snood or mask at all times. Cars be parked, free spaces apart. No massages unless approved by club doctors. Fluids to be left at designated pickup points. Only visiting the training block to use the toilet. Initially only five players per training group. Players to be designated time slots and 15 minutes to prepare. 75 minutes of small group training. 15 minutes of recovery. Players and staff will be banned from spitting at the training ground. I mean, all this, Jace, doesn't seem to me to be in any way considered as being a possible opportunity, does it? Oh, no, I think when FIFA's medical director or whatever yesterday comes out and says no football till September, I think that that leaves you in a in an incredibly difficult position. And I think, you know, whilst whilst everyone can talk about those things going on, players doing this, players doing that, can you imagine if you're a player, particularly for a club now with not a lot to play for, you know, having to wear masks and things like that. I mean, are you really going to be concentrated on playing football? Are you really going to think, I don't know what, I'll I'll go and go and be in quarantine for the next seven days waiting for this game. I won't be able to see the wife and family or anything like that, but I'll just go and play a meaningless game of football. So really, what type of football are you going to see? You know, people, I mean, watching that Ajax game last night, you hear that atmosphere of the crowd and think it's going to be in front of completely, you know, five five traffic cones or something. So, you know, are we really going to see football in the way that we know it anyway? <laughs> it's, it's not, is it? So... No, it is no way. I can't see how. And it's why I said last week, as mad as that idea was, that, you you know, for the sporting integrity, you could have a day of penalty shootouts when this ends and say, look, that's what's going to decide the season. You get it all over and done within three hours. You need seven players from each team. You don't need loads of medical crews. You don't need loads of journalists. You don't need, you don't even need the entire coaching staff from each team there. You just need seven players from each club to go and take penalties. And, it, and it's simple, but at least that would mean the football skill determined on the pitch rather than a computer doing it. But, and, and as I say, I certainly don't think that's a great way to do it anyway. But for me, that would be better than points per game. And you could do that in August the 10th because, you know, what is this big rush to make a decision in June or, or May? Because if, if we're talking about next season, can't start till September, October, then why can't this season finish at the end of August? But again, Jace, this all comes down to money, doesn't it? It's it's all yeah, and that's, it, it's and all about that. Yeah, and I, I think, like you said, least the economy's driving a lot of this. It's the balance, isn't it? It's the balance between you know yeah. we've just talked about the health side, and absolutely right. You know, I think we all agree that 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 it's got, that's got to come first. first and foremost, but, yeah. But but we're obviously not paid or, or rewarded or um, in the high agilons of of government to make them decisions, and and somebody somewhere will make the decision. Ultimately, it'll probably be Boris, the PM to make the decision to, to that balance. And if you look at it from an economy perspective, you start to get some different answers against some questions because actually it's kind of like, well, you know, yeah, we, we need to get the economy back up and running. Otherwise the country goes to uh, rack and ruin and therefore we need to bring it back. So how can we? I mean, when, when you was just listing all them things out there, Rick, I made a little chuckle to myself because it, it did feel like it was kind of a, just going through the process of trying to get something back. But actually when you're reading it, there's so many more cons than there are pros. It doesn't weigh up or to be rightly, does it? No. No, and, J- and Jace made, a, again, and obviously a brilliant point again around, around you know, why why would an individual want to go and play a meaningless, meaningless league game of football and all that sort of stuff? Um, but, and again, it's not just about, you know, you might be, he, he might be or she might be away from their family. 
for, for seven days. But what happens if they catch it and then they don't realise and then they go home to their family and all of a sudden they pass it on to their family? You know, it, within one day, because of COVID, the way it spreads, you pick it up and spread it to three people. They Then three people spread it to another three people. Then people, 50, 57,000 people can be infected or 59,000 can be infected, get my maths right, within less than a week. So, so, so it's a risk versus reward thing, isn't it? It is clearly that. Are we willing to risk the health of, you know, the, the sportsmen and women and also their families and also, you know, the media people, whatever's going to be at the game uh, and all of the staff that would have to be ripped off the front line to go and do it, as Jamie just said, are we willing to risk that versus getting the games played for the integrity of, of, of the sport? And and I think that's where it comes. I mean, it's a it's a a horrendously difficult decision but one that should be made easy by surely we're talking life and death here so you know sorry sport but take a back seat this time around yeah I think that is the most key point it needs to take a back seat but interesting we have seen Spurs follow Arsenal and West Ham by allowing players to return to the training ground under strict guidelines the club shall be making a number of limited pitches available at our training centre for members of our first team squad to use for individual running sessions on a strict rotational basis. So no more than one player per pitch will be permitted at any one time to undertake on-pitch exercise and with only a restricted number of the squad coming to the training centre each day. Each player will be travelling independently and arrive at the facilities already dressed in training wear before returning home immediately after they have concluded their sessions. And we actually have already seen that there has been Spurs players. Harry Kane was one of the very first that we saw enter the training ground. And all that activity will be conducted in line with the government guidelines with social distancing maintained at all times. And there'll be no access permitted to any building on site. So, again, I think at the moment, uh, we've said all we can on Did this. Did that week. come from the club, Rick? That came from the club. That Did came Sir Julia get that memo? <laughs> Did Sir Julia get that memo? In, in defence of Serge, this came out only a couple of days ago to defence of Serge. But... I also just want to make a point about when I, I saw it on kind of uh, and a report about why Arsenal were doing it. And I know that Aubameyang had kind of come into a, a bit of trouble with supporters when supporters had kind of seen him out um, out and about kind of training. He was having issues with you know supporters wanting to have photographs with him. And I know a lot of people will probably be against, you know, why it's not central work, why they're going into train. But because obviously these players need to stay fit, they're professional athletes. And I think that I mean, having them at the training ground is kind of like a, a safe place and, and kind of, um, takes away from players being spotted out in public and then obviously fans gathering. I think that was one of the, the points that I made on, on you know, it's why it's so irresponsible of Jose and Tongi and Ndombele to be out there because what if, you know, what if some Spurs fans spotted them and then kind of posted it on social media and you've got lots of people coming down there. Of course, you know, there are lots of people, sensible people that will, will kind of stick to that and think, look, obviously, no, I don't go down there, but there will always be people that do that. So I think that the argument is, is that just to keep them in that training ground. And if you're doing it separately, then I think that that does kind of keep the players out of trouble. Yeah. Some other news we have heard this week. We have heard news that Hummin Son is potentially facing a third spell of quarantine and could miss the Premier League return to full training due to government plans to force all people arriving into the UK to self-isolate for 14 days. Now, for Son, he's still currently serving a three-week spell of military service in South Korea. He's already spent two separate fortnights in quarantine, once in the UK and once in his homeland. Since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, he was obviously forced to isolate, and that was in London in February after returning from arm surgery in South Korea before injuring another spell 
of self-quarantine in CL last month, having travelled back to complete his mandatory spell of conscription. So, at the moment, one to keep an eye on with Son, but again, it's all going to depend on what happens with the season, if it is null and void, if we do somehow end up restarting. But what hasn't stopped during this time is transfers and links to players and links to the club. Now, before we look at potential players coming in, here we go, Jason. Here, here we, we go. go. Jason's picked up. This one doesn't go away. And I will get Jason's first reaction on it. Tsungyun Dembele, Jace, different sources telling us all different things. But apparently, um, what does seem to be the case is that he is unsettled at Spurs during his difficult start to life in the Premier League. But it didn't stop him from posting a video on his, I think it was Instagram account, with the phrase, nothing to report when he was being linked away a move from the club. What was your reaction to that, Jace? No reaction at all, really, mate. It's just, we keep talking about it with him, don't we? We all know the talent's there. It, it, the desire and the attitude of that has to come from him. One newspaper today says he's been suffering from muscular problems. Last week it was that he had a toothache. So, you know, it's just... <laughs> he's the person, least least in my, my thoughts at the moment, really. There's, there's far more important people to worry about than, than on Dumbelay. Let's Let's see what financial position football's in because that will govern whether he goes anywhere or not and let's see if he can be bothered to, to really push himself when he does come back yeah I mean, Jay just to bring you in here I mean Alistair Gold who is we know very very good friend of the pod and obviously very close to the club there does seem to be that feeling that you know Spurs head coach Jose Mourinho does still believe in Ndombele so does the club and he has the real potential to be a key part of the team however there does seem to be this belief around Ndombele whether it's representatives different agents that they're trying to push him to leave Tottenham I mean I remember in the summer Jay this guy is represented by so many (coughs) different people that's the big problem here everyone's talking out we can't really get to the fact that what does the man want uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that is a case of that. And that, that's obviously a problem with transfers. You know, people around the player trying to get them to move away. And I do feel as though that is kind of the reason why um, why the, the, you know this story has come about. I think that the people around him are trying to move him on. Um, for me, I, no, I, I find it really difficult sometimes. I actually don't think it's an attitude problem or it's a lack of effort from Ndombele. I think it's just, you know, it's a 22, he's a 22-year-old or 23 now. You know, he's living in a completely different country for the first time. It's his first year. Obviously, he's had real problems trying to adapt to league, as many players do. I mean, you know, we've had seen so many players that kind of come over here in the first first year in the Premier League and struggle to adapt. But we've seen so many of them overcome that after in their second season. And I really believe that Ndombele will do that. I think that that social media post was a great indication that he's willing to stay, that he wants to, to, to come here and prove himself in the Premier League. Um, so I think that that's certainly good news. But for me, I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think that he's obviously come in and he's had a very difficult situation. You know, it's not just the, the adaption that he's had to the league. He, you know, the manager that he signed for was sacked. He's got teammates that had been underperforming. He, he, of course, picked up injuries, which, you know, you as a player, you obviously cannot control picking up injuries. And that, you know, and that sort of certainly would have set him back in terms of his fitness issues. So for me... I totally understand. And, you know, when we've had this opportunity to speak to some former players, I think one pod that we we have coming out soon uh, with a former Spurs player was a guy that that picked up a lot of injuries during his career. And And he said, you know, it's difficult because for the player, they are trying their hardest, but to keep getting these injuries, it's always very difficult. And the, the supporters don't quite understand that. And I know I see a lot of hate, you know, a lot of hate directed in the direction of Tony and Dombele. 
and you know it's, it's it's very difficult because I'm actually you know I can kind of relate to that in a way because you know I'm a competitive athlete and I'm always getting injured I'm injured right now and it's so frustrating to keep getting injuries and it's mentally it's you know it's really tough and when you've also got people telling you you know you're not you're not working hard enough or whatever and it, you know, it, it's down to the injuries and you can't you've not been able to get that consistency to be able to train and you've got all these kind of outside factors affecting it that's where I, I really sympathize with Tongi and, and that's why I don't believe it's it's an attitude problem or it's a lack of effort I think that he's been dealt a really bad hand at Spurs but hopefully you know when we've got more stability next season in terms of you know, we've got Jose Mourinho fully settled, as you hope. You've got Harry Kane, hopefully, um, having had this long rest, which, of course, the first time in his career. Um, hopefully, De- Deli Ali is going to be fully fit. You've got uh, Lascelles so far in. You just hope that having that around him and kind of a, a stronger, uh, you know, set of players around him will will really help him. Um, so, for me, I totally believe in Ndombele. I think his social media post was a great sign that he's going to stay. And um, I really believe he's going to be a success at Spurs. Lee, just to bring you in on this and Dembele debate, I feel like it's coming coming a weekly topic at the moment. But we did see Deli Ali, Giovanni Celso, well, and Stephen Bergwijn react to that post. I mean, they again, it, it, it can be a bit of a PR stunt. This they they seem to want to champion the player. I mean, let's hope he can come back and be a great player because he spent a lot of money on this guy. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep it brief. I mean, I I, I take both of those points on board, but I think Jamie, what you just said was absolutely outstanding. Uh, I think it gives a different perspective on things as well. Um, and uh, you know, it, it, and like Jay said, if it is an attitude problem, there's only one person who can change that, um, and that's himself, as as we all know. Um, and if it isn't an attitude problem, and he's been dealt the you know a, just a dodgy hand, then then there's massive optimism there because the guy's going to be an absolute world beater. Um, I think the indication on on him posting on social media is is a really positive one because nine times out of ten, if a player wants to move, they just don't say anything unless you're Paul Pogba. So 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 the reality is, if he, if you know he'd have just kept quiet and silenced his golden, but he didn't. It's come out. He said something along the lines of, "No, it's not really a riddle, is it? It's just like." just move on, nothing to report. And, you know, after I see things like, um, you know, the Daily Mail knocking up a, you know, a a photo that didn't exist where they're they're putting James Cracknell um, into into a photo with his dad when he was two metres apart from each other, Nothing surprises me anymore in the media. I just think it's, you know, it's it's, it's a little more hullabaloo. And, and I think, Rick, you mentioned it earlier, I didn't realise this, that he's got like 50 different agents or whatever that, that kind of mess is with Tunga and Dembele. Um, it looks like that they're, they're, they are trying to get more money out of him as, as, as quickly as they can. So, Jace makes a good point again about, you know, the whole football finances. I just think... <laughs> Get fit, get your head down, and you know once you're fit, he will be he'll be a world in. He'll probably be you know he'll be at Tottenham for for a long uh, a long time yet, hopefully. Yeah, I mean we we have seen in the glimpses just what, how talented the boy is, and if we can get that on a regular basis, and he does feel settled here, then what a player he's going to become. Jace, another player that's being linked, and to be fair again, Jace, you're very easy on this. It could just be agent talk. We've seen Gianluca Damasio suggest that Caladu. <laughs> Koulibaly's representatives hold a very good relationship with the Spurs chairman, Daniel Levy, and he could be one of Spurs' most important targets. Do you read anything into that, Jace, or is that just an agent trying to keep himself busy Here we go. during this quiet window, Jace? How many players we bought from Italy in the last seven years? I'm going to go through to first so we can defuse it. You know, Tutti Frutti, Mercato, and all these... <laughs> <laughs> 
You know, we've we've had seventy five linked from Italy in the last five years. Oh, no. <laughs> move on. When, when move you, on. When's a medical, Jace? Move on. <laughs> okay, Jay, tell us about the player. What, what what I would say though, just yeah, just what I was going to say. What, what what I would say is that Joe Jose uh, reportedly wanted him big time at Manchester United when he kept kind of digging the board out at the time saying couldn't get him couldn't get him yeah. and uh, and again he is he is an amazing player isn't he Jay? I mean certainly he's up there as one of the top central defenders in Europe and uh, for me I think it's exactly kind of what Spurs need I know you know a lot of people are kind of a bit fed up of us going for those slightly younger players with potential you know the likes of Ryan Session although it's a fantastic signing and I think it's great for the future you know, you kind of want now for Spurs to kind of look at maybe bringing in some ready-made players. And and for me, a player like Kalidou Koulibaly, now I'm not suggesting that that's the exact player that we're going to go and sign, but I would like Spurs to maybe go and look at trying to sign um, some maybe more experienced players. Um, just to, yeah, I think just to have around these these sort of younger players. Um, and But for me, I mean, of course, you know, Koulibaly, I mean, that would that would really would, would be the dream signing for me. He's the kind of player, Joe, that isn't he at the moment? I'm laughing at Jason's comments, but he is in his prime, isn't he? He's a he's a player that's yeah. really at the moment. If you were going to say name me out there, you know, the kind of five or six real top centre backs in Europe, yeah. he would be on that list. And yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we talk about Jose Mourinho. He has got that knack. People do want to play for him. We saw the way Stephen Bergwijn, he flocked to Tottenham because of the fact yeah. of working with Jose Mourinho. If any man can attract. The big what, name yeah. players, it's a possibility. So you just wonder again, is an agent being busy there or is there genuine interest again? It's a case of waiting to see. Uh, the last one we're going to yeah. talk about because there's been a lot of heavy links over this last couple of weeks and again, it's gone quiet again, but we'll give it a mention. I won't come to Jason for this one. Jay, I'll stick with you. Uh, Thomas Mounier. Now, if you believe what yeah. you read in the papers, he's been clearly won over by Jose Mourinho and he's told of his desire to have that player at the club and it's now waiting Daniel Levy's approval because of the player's age but I mean the only reason for me I can see this being a goer is that it's a player that will be out of contract come June it's a free transfer and you feel at the moment with the finances yeah. in football this is what a lot of clubs will be looking for these kind of players yeah so just on Jose Mourinho actually I think um, you know is looking kind of like Spurs might not even be in Europe at all next year and I think that that's maybe the one thing that's brilliant about having Jose Mourinho I think a lot of players will still look at Jose Mourinho as a guy they want to work under I think that you know Harry Kane you know he's probably given us an extra year just because we've got Jose Mourinho he's a guy that you know he's seen win so many trophies growing up so I think that that's a, a positive thing um, in in terms of Mourinho being at the club um, with Thomas Munier, yeah, I think that those maybe those are sort of signings that we will be looking at. I think Jason's made the point before, you know, you will now be looking at a lot of those free agents and, and of course, maybe reassessing Jan's situation. Um, I personally wouldn't reassess Jan's situation because I think that he wants a move elsewhere. Um, and I think he wants a new challenge, like I mentioned before, with, you know, players being for so long. But, you know, clubs are going to be looking at, at, at free agents. And Jan said it himself, you know, kind of it's it's been weird that in the the aftermath of this whole situation um clubs are now looking at free agents and and there's a lot more interest in him now um so for me i think that that's certainly one that you'd look at but in terms of right backs thomas munier is not a player that i, I really want personally um i think max Aaron's would be a much more suitable target i think that you know, a lot of people have kind of suggested that that um because of this whole situation that norwich will now want lots of money for him but actually, I do think that this situation might work the other way. I think that Norwich will see see that lots of clubs don't quite have that money to go and spend a £40 million on a, a slightly unknown entity in, in the likes of 
uh, Max Harrens, and they desperately need the money. Um, and I think that they might settle for a slightly lesser fee. So I think that that's, you know, this sort of situation could work out better for us. But for me, in terms of the right situation, I'd much rather have Max Herons because I think that I think he, he's he's a player that will uh, will will surprise a lot of people in how good he will become. On that, Jamie, I think what you might find as well with with football is if Norwich want a bigger fee and Tottenham haven't got it, that that I think, and again, I, I relate this to football, not just Spurs. You know, Spurs could go in with a fee of twenty five million for him, and Norwich think, well, we might just have to take that, or Tottenham could say. We'll do a loan with an obligation to buy, and the obligation is at forty million. Yeah, and you yeah. know, Norwich know that money's coming in, and Tottenham look at that and think we've got the player for a year as long as that obligation to buy is there. But it means that you know that cash flow doesn't have to go out from one well, club. I yeah, that's true. I think yeah, Spurs have done that a lot more, well recently, haven't yeah. they? And I think you'll mm. see those types of deals yeah. right across the board in football, where clubs think we haven't got that money, but that player needs to move and. Players still need to get him off. The, at least he's off of Norwich's wage books and things like that. So I, I can see lots of those loans with obligations to buy in 12 months' time taking place. It's a really good point. I know you could, uh, he's going to ask me about uh, Munio, but just just quickly on that. Um, we talked earlier about kind of 60, 70 million pound deals not happening or the even these 40 million pound deals now and, and restructured. It, just, just quickly around Robin, what, what do you think who do you think, which clubs do you think will um, buck that trend? Because there will be one or two clubs that goes, right, let's risk it, let's smash out an £80 million pounder. Like, who, who do you think it'll like, be? The, the uh, normals, like well, the I mean, Man City? City or, might be. If Liverpool do uh, win the title. Newcastle. So, yeah, Newcastle. You just... I think, but, but for me, I mean, the biggest one as well will probably be Manchester United. I know there's been a lot of talk about Jaden Sancho going there. And I think that for me, you kind of look at that profile in terms of he's really proven himself in the Bundesliga. And I think he is now a, an established player, but he's also still very young. I think he's 20, 21. So I think that he's probably one of the only investments in kind of European football that's kind of worth that sort of fee and that's maybe worth that sort of risk. Um, so for me, I mean, he's one of the very, very few players that I can kind of see making a big money move this this summer because I think a club will certainly risk, uh, well, I, and I certainly think it's worth the risk going and signing him. But I think that that will be probably to Manchester United. Lee, just to wrap up on Mounier, we've got a couple of quick fun things we want to just want to include in the show. Mounier, yay or nay, Lee? I don't know enough about him. I might be wrong in saying this, so please correct me. I'm sure I'm sure you will, or the listeners will, when this goes out. But I, I wasn't Thomas Mounier Serge Aurier's replacement as a right back at PSG. <laughs> so we've basically gone from Serge Aurier, right, with his record and what he's done or whatever, to now going to get his ultimately fouled replacement from PSG. Who runs his scouting I mean, is department? There, is there, is, I don't know, but is, is that is that not is that not the case? I mean, I might I, be wrong. But, I don't know, but no, it what seems I know to me guys... that they're talking about that because it'd be a swap deal again. Well, he's... Serge wants to go back to PSG, he's, right? So he's dropped out. He's kind of dropped out the team at PSG, and he's been and he has been very disappointing. I know this season at Paris Saint Germain, he's an experienced player, though. I think that that's the the main point. I know a lot of people that I've seen when I when I put the story out there, a lot of people have kind of said, "Look, he's a guy that's won a lot of trophies." Mm. So that might be the argument, but for me, you know, from what I've seen, I don't think he's he's a particularly good player anymore. There's some awful compilations, Jay Gay and Rand have been making some horrendous yeah. mistakes. That's my only worry. Yeah. But then, to be fair, we've 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 seen a lot of compilations of Spurs players doing really well, and look what happened <laughs> they come here. So can't really win yeah. either way. Yeah. Let's try and finish up, and then some fun activities. Then, so the first thing we're going to do. 
is you got three positions we can buy for. What are they? And in what order? Jace, let's roll the dice with you first. You go for it. Backup striker, central defensive midfield player, right back. You took my bloody positions. That's what I was going to have. Okay. Okay. Yeah, full house for me. Full house for me. And you see, that's why I mean, if they're my three, that's why I'd extend for Tongan's contract. Yeah. Because that's another. Because if you go and buy that one, that's one of those three vitals. And and just on Yan's one, where, where I was coming from with Yan, don't in an I if this was before COVID, I wouldn't be extending Yan's. But you know, Yan is a left-footed centre back. Yes, yeah, massive. We've got Anganga and Alderweireld and Sanchez and mm. Foyth. Yeah. And even a player like Koulibaly. Yeah. They're oh. all right. Do you not do you not think that do you not think that Yamba Tongan? I think he's I just think he's been really disappointing this year, and it comes yeah, back to kind of the, yeah. the point that I made in the his legs just in the summer. His legs just gone well, for me. That's yeah. the thing, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people when when Trippier left and we sold Trippier and we didn't replace him, you know, you'd have if you'd have kept Trippier, you'd have still had a very dodgy right back, and that issue that would have still been an issue. It's the you know the same with Danny Rose. You know, I really wanted to get rid of him last summer. Um, and, and, you know, you're getting a fee for him, but then people say, yeah, look, we're not going to go out and replace him. But at the end of the day, you know, we kept Danny Rose and we had an issue there. And I think that that will kind of be the same with Yamatong. And now I know we obviously we won't get a fee for him. But I, th I think if you, you keep Yamatong and you still have an issue at centre-back, because unfortunately, I just don't think he's been good enough this year. And I think um, I'm sure it was the Middlesbrough game when we kind of, it might have been the Middlesbrough game in the FA Cup. Uh, in the second leg, and I think it was even the first leg as well, where he just got caught out. And unfortunately for me, I just don't think Yamatongan's really the same player that he was. And, you know, you even keep him and you've still got an issue there. I agree with everything you've just said, but we have no backup striker. We have no central defensive midfield player. And let's be fair, we don't really have a right back. So if you're going to buy three and you replace for Tongan, which one of those three positions do you do completely without? That, yeah. That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's fair enough. So, do we all agree then across the board that we, if we had those three is positions... Is that for yours, Jamie, as well? Say, say them again. Three I've, sorry, I've, I've completely forgotten which they were. Say it again. <laughs> so, CDM. <laughs> yeah, go, on, go on. CDM. Backup striker. Yep. Yep. And a right back. Yeah, I think for me that'd probably be the same. I mean, I'd yeah, maybe instead of a striker, I'd say, I'd say, I mean, but it's you know, it's, it's pretty much the same for me. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, central, you know, holding midfield is really, I think, the biggest issue for Spurs. I think that that's something that we've really missed this year in terms of we've got very two very similar players always playing there. We've had that even last season. We just didn't have anyone there. Yeah, so for me, I think those are. I'd have to agree, to be honest. We've seen a lot of kits going around Twitter, going around social media. Some of them are nice, aren't they? Some, some of them are nice. nice. Some, I have to are say. some of them are a bit minging. Let's just quickly say, what was our favourite kit? And again, this might be controversial. I really like the, the brown kit. The brown kit of where. Did I, you? The game where I remember Kino Kino Yeah. The Fulham win. The 4 0 four Fulham win away. We had the Mido wow. kit. We had the Kino volley. Remember that? God, those days were, were brilliant. Favourite kits very quickly, you... let's go round. Lee? Uh, I've got two. So the, the most recent one is the um, the 2017 away kit. I love the fit of it. I love the colour of it. It had no red on it, which is absolutely perfect. Um, so it was really good. But my favourite of all time is, you've got to be the 1991 uh, FA Cup final kit. Holston, Umbro, proper Tottenham Crockwell, the old school. Talk to me, baby. That is my favourite. Yeah. That was a great kit, wasn't it? And Jace, for you, favourite kit? 
oh, for me, we'll never have a better kit than that Admiral 1978 kit because that's that's the first one I had and the first one I'll, I'll always remember. But I think individual games define kits, won't they? I I, I couldn't stand that green kit. But it will forever be synonymous with with Ajax. With Lucas right. Moore, yeah, yeah, for sure. You talk about that brown kit, and you instantly talk about a four 0 win at Fulham. Yeah, that's it, isn't so, it? It's crazy. Know, yeah, that, that, yeah. And, and I, I quite liked that that blue we had a few years ago that we won at Stoke at. Yeah, yeah, But but what yeah. you find when I think with kits at the moment, kits when you see them come out sometimes don't look great. And then you see the players wear them. And the biggest example of that, I think, was that, that grey and black halved one that we had, that when it was on the drawing board, everyone And yet we go and we won at Reading in that. And we win at West Brom in that. And I know we lost at Arsenal in that. But but the sight of Bale in that grey and black kit and Defoe scoring. Yeah, the Bale, that, yeah. Suddenly that kit looked fantastic, <laughs> didn't it? Yeah, I'm not a massive lover of sashes, you know, like the type kits. I'm not a massive lover of them. But like you say, you know, you know, once you see it and you've got a memory of the game in it or someone scores a trick in it or whatever, all of a sudden it, you know, it changed. I just, I just remember the, you know, the, the Lineker hand up and, you know, scoring and, you know, in that, in that kit and, you know, Gazza with the free kick. And that, that for me is synonymous to, you know, to, you know, as a last FA Cup win. Can you even believe that? So, for me, that's that's why I like that kit. And a collar on it as well. You don't see collars much don't. now, do you? They, they've kind of gone out of fashion, Lee, the old collars. Mm. They've seen them gone out of fashion. Jay, for you, the favourite kit? Yeah, for me, I think in terms of the nice one, maybe it wasn't quite my lifetime, but the 1998 uh, kind of the Ginola one, the po- you know the, the pony kit, I think okay. that was yeah. one of the nicest looking Spurs kits. But yeah. I think Jay mentioned actually my favourite one in terms of my actual lifetime was that the one we won at Stoke, the 4-0 win kind of that prime Pochettino performance where we, I think it was... Oh, the sorry, on, yeah, that one, on, yeah. On, on Leicester, I think it was the... That was the when we started like, singing that game, wasn't it? We started yeah. singing Leicester yeah, City, we're the, coming the, for you. So it was the it was the light blue shirt with the kind of the uh, navy blue stripes across it. I just thought, you know, some a brilliant memory from that, that game at Stoke where, you know, we really felt as though that was maybe a chance that we were closing on at the top of the Premier League. So for me, that was uh, probably my favourite kit along with the, the one that I mentioned. And we're going to end the show with Jason's secret confession on Spurs. Over to you, Jace. I think all four of us are going to have to make a confession over the next few weeks. But but my confession is that as a kid, I was a Leeds United fan. The first kit I had was a Leeds United. The first players <laughs> on the ball was Alan Clark. And, uh, you know, I still look for Leeds United's results straight after Tottenham's now. And... Um, you know, Leeds were the successful as a kid when you're growing up before you've even gone to football and you you first get an awareness, you're you're aware obviously of the successful teams. And Tottenham in the in that 74, 75, 76 period were battling relegation and Leeds were in a European Cup final and Billy Bremner having a punch up with Kevin Keegan at a charity shield. So, you know, my first club really, and as I say, my first kit ever was a Leeds United kit. There you go, Jason McGovern really more. We will try and Put this in as a weekly feature with <laughs> yes, Spurs like Secret like Confessions. Guys, just want to say a massive thank you for everybody out there that continuing to download the last word on Spurs during this, you know, unprecedented time, people losing their lives. We can't thank you enough for still finding the time to hopefully have some escapism, hopefully have some light relief. And again, we wish you and your families well. Lee, thank you as always for coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. 
Yeah, no, thanks for having me. As I say, it's, it's just been great to just to down tools for a bit and just chat football, uh, relive uh, what what happened last night, and uh, again look look forward in four weeks to uh, to a Champions League final. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Jace, thank you as always for coming back on the show, and thank you, Jace, for unveiling that very very big secret. No problem. Come on, Leeds. <laughs> Let's see what's done over Mourinho. God, I'm gutted. <laughs> if Leeds don't come up, I'm wrong. Oh, don't you start. God, the next next season, Jace, when they play us, can you imagine what it'll be like? Will you the Oh, best game of the season. Oh my God, Jay, thank you for coming back on. Jay, I don't want to say too much. We've got a very very big show coming this weekend. Yes. Big show, yeah, really massive, yeah, really massive show. I'm, re- you know, it's a really exciting interview to do. It mm. was, um, you know, a guy, especially in my lifetime, that, that had a fantastic career at Spurs. He had some great <laughs> memories, so he's so he's certainly a guy that you know that's one to look out for. Yeah. Um, but today's show, I mean, it was really brilliant, brilliant, kind of reliving the, uh, the memories that we had from last season's Champions League run. I think watching those, you know, as Lee, Lee said before the show, you know, the BT coverage has been fantastic of being able to relive those games, and you kind of feel all the emotions that you did during the games in terms of that you know the real nerves nervous energy and and just how special those nights were so yeah really really great to relive them on this show yeah and jamie's confessing that he wears a soul campbell arsenal shirt next week <laughs> god no, anyone, anyone who's wearing that nowhere near this pod jesus god, no. no 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 guys thank you so much for taking the time again to download us keep safe keep well and as always come on you spurs Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.